Hey everyone, welcome to the half of this podcast. It's me, Joey, and do I need to keep saying that? Hey, it's me, Joey. You know, the halfie himself, whatever. I don't know if I need to say that. If you've been listening to my to my episodes, you know who I am. If Well, actually, yeah, just in case you don't know who I am, I'm Joey. <laughs> Anyways, I hope you all had a great weekend. And I know if you listen to my morning tea episodes from at least specifically last Friday, we started off the weekend with a bit of a hot tea. It was the type of tea that can make you angry as well uh, and quite upset. So maybe it wasn't the right type of tea to get you into that weekend mood, but I wanted to do it because like I mentioned in the episode, I want to bring more awareness to just the tragedies and the hate crimes and the especially the elder abuse that's occurring within the Asian American communities, especially among the elderly. That's why I'm really just baffled about why the fucking elderly today's episode is not about that but actually i do want to briefly update y'all on some stuff that i've learned uh since the recording for that episode so what i learned is that the lawyer who is representing watson or antoine watson a 19 year old kid who senselessly tackled vichy Pakti, who is an 84 year old native thai man who was unfortunately passed away from this incident due to sustaining heavy injuries from that you know being pushed down hard onto the concrete the lawyer who represented watson stated that watson obviously was not intending to kill the man based off of the cctv footage right i mean if you watch the footage which you can just look up online you can see that watson just pretty much was a just objectively just pushed or tackled Vicha Ratan Pakti down. And based off of that, the lawyer is stating that he wasn't intending to kill Vicha and he never really made any other comments besides that. At least that's what the news provided to us, the readers. Now, that already implies <laughs> that Watson did this. Like, there's no running away from that truth. But uh, the lawyer even said that they're going to challenge the the statement made against Watson that one, that there was intent to murder Vichyaratan and Pakti and that they were also going to look into more of the like mental psychological side of things like, you know, was Watson in the right state of mind? That's such, oh my fucking God. Dude, this is like, look, I understand what the lawyer's trying to do. He's, they're doing their job, right? But it's like, go do your job. And then just whether it takes like a week or two, let's then let's lock up Watson because there's no point. I mean, for this 19 year old kid, I doubt, but I'm not going to be presumptuous in that in saying that he doesn't have any mental illnesses or, you know, anything going on in his life. Maybe there is, I, you know, there's always that because granted, I don't know who he is. I don't know his circumstances. However, he seems like a pretty normal kid to me. I mean, I... Yeah, that's the update I had to give on that. <laughs> I'm not going to go into it too much because that's all I know. And I I, I do want to talk more about this sort of hate crime stuff actually in another Tuesday episode. Right now, a morning tea episode, but a Tuesday episode about just hate crimes in general and what I think about it. You know, I want to kind of like provide my take on psychoanalyzing these people who commit hate crimes and i even want to jump into what i think is good and bad about people who are against hate crimes like what are they doing in particular i already kind of touched based on that in the morning tea episode last friday about how people just don't really approach these situations with good speech instead they do it with bad speech and they, they provide or suggest bad actions like defunding the police that's not i it's not a good idea I'm not going to talk about this too in depth for this episode because there's already something I want to talk about which carries on from last week, Tuesday, and that's about eating disorders, uh, particularly within men. And last week I talked about eating disorders or our relationship with food as an athlete or for someone who is within the fitness realm. But today I want to kind of dive more deeply into it where now it's coming from a general perspective and experience as... A guy as a man a male uh i guess to be more 
inclusive or if you identify yourself as a male. So, so one reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I actually learned about the statistics and some of the kind of like fallacies that goes in behind these eating disorder studies or even uh, statistics alone regarding like how how true it, the numbers are representing the number of males out there who do have eating disorders. So I found out on the National Eating Disorder website, which is which is a .org website, if if that tells you anything like how credible they are. Oh, I'm sure I know they are. I mean, the National Eating Disorder Association, right? I found out that like 10 million men in the United States have the eating disorders, and that one in three men typically have an eating disorder. That's a lot. That's a lot. And one of the other more surprising things, but it makes sense at the same time that I learned about is in the studies regarding eating disorders, a lot of men actually are not included in these studies. It's more so women, which makes sense. I'm not, first of all, when I talk about this stuff, you know, eating disorders with men, no way in shape or form am I downplaying eating disorders among women. I'm not saying like, oh, it's, you know, we talk too much about women eating disorders and we need to focus on the men. That's not what I'm truly saying. I'm just wanting to bring more to light about eating disorders among men. Just bring it to your awareness. I'm not, again, downplaying women's eating disorders, if you're thinking that, or maybe think that sometime during this episode. Now that's out of the way. Also, I'm not some sort of expert in this field. <laughs> I just want to bring more awareness to this, like I said, and I want to talk about it from my point of view because I definitely dealt with this. If you heard from my episode last week on Tuesday, I... I mean, it's more like a self-diagnosis, but I definitely did have bulimia. And then later on, due to having or being bulimic, I developed anorexia. I, I want to talk more about that because I was so embarrassed by just other people knowing about it. Like back then, it was incredibly embarrassing. And sometimes like when people would, sometimes I, there was one time where I forgot to flush the toilet after purging up what junk food I had and I binged eat and someone kind of like said like oh what happened and I was like oh shit I forgot to flush the toilet oh my god they're gonna find me out and then I made some kind of excuse where I had like an upset stomach or I you know I drank some alcohol which actually I don't drink alcohol too much because I have Asian glow <laughs> which sucks so I can't even have a beer I was just so fearful about that but now oddly enough I feel so open about it and I think I would attribute that to me doing this podcast, like how I'm being open and vulnerable with the topics I talk about. And I've also been vulnerable with my friends, like opening about certain things. So it, I think I definitely do attribute this feeling of being comfortable with being vulnerable, especially with very sensitive topics and matters to just me practicing that actually. Yeah, with the practice, it's making me feel a lot better. Yeah, going back to eating disorders among men, it makes sense why there's these fallacies of where in these studies, right, or, you know, maybe the number of cases of men having eating disorders, like, you know, 10 million number. Maybe that's not a true number. It's not accurate. I mean, maybe there's 20 million. And it's something that I do think about, actually, because I am also not part of that number, the 10 million, right? Because I never went to any doctors. I never really took any surveys or, and not, I mean, nothing like that. Because again, I was just so fearful of one being found out, but two, I didn't want to admit it. Like I knew about it, right? I know it for myself that I was bulimic and becoming anorexic, but I just did not want to believe it for myself, like admit to it. And I believe a bunch of other men also feel this way with their eating disorders. And I have learned that the typical eating disorders that are diagnosed among men involve bulimia and anorexia. I think there was something more specific to the name, but it's generally those two that I've learned. And there's some other ones, but those two are the ones I am more closely <laughs> related to, you know, unfortunately to say that. But yeah, I, I have experience and I've been there myself. But yeah, it's because men just don't want to admit it. And it's due to, again, it's, there's so many variables. So I'm going to be general about this. Men just don't want to admit to being weak. It sounds stupid, cheesy, but it's just the truth. 
like back then when I when I was definitely aware of my my bulimic actions and habits when my brother found out about it I don't know how oh no I know how it's because of the toilet thing I mentioned earlier about just kind of seeing how there's like you know residues of vomit on sorry I, w I would if vomit's a harsh word I'll try to use a different word but pretty much he saw you know that uh, stain marks in the toilet bowl and just knew something was up and there were times where I would just forget to flush the toilet after purging you know after a, a night of binge eating and I was just so angry and scared at him whenever he would try bringing it up I was like no you're wrong like what are you talking about that's insane stupid like it's as if someone's calling me out for a crime that I didn't commit like I'm just being utterly defensive about this and being super just fearful of being found out it's different from being like that imposter syndrome feeling about being found out that oh uh, well no it is actually related to that when i think about it more so because you want to portray yourself like as a man right and maybe it's also the same situation with women how they don't want to be found out about being anorexic or being told or believe that they're anorexic or bulimic or you know some other eating disorder it's something similar where for men at least we just don't want to be found out as being this weak kind of man we don't want to be diagnosed as being something with a problem overall i think that's a very human thing whether you're female or male or uh, you know however you identify yourself we don't want to be found out and believed and pointed out as having a problem like a serious problem like a mental illness right it's it's something that is worrisome for me back then especially because I was always trying to strive to become this stellar student, you know, the athlete, the kind of like a stoic, strong, disciplined person at the time, right? Because that was the type of person I was aiming to be, a lone wolf mentality sort of person. And when I was being told that, you know, am I being bulimic? Am I vomiting up? I'm like, no, that's absurd. What are you talking about, brother? My, You know, my brother? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, that's not me. Stop talking about it. And I would get seriously upset. And then I would feel really bad about that because you know what you're doing and you know that it's bad. And you just feel a strong need to work on this problem yourself because I would say mainly the fear of being found out. And I think that's why it's so hard to break out of these eating disorders, right? Or to recover from them as well. It's so hard because we don't want to depend on other people because it's such a touchy matter and it's gonna we're fearful that it's gonna ruin our image whatever we're trying to build up and for men at least i think the image and again i'm being general with this it's not i'm not speaking for all men nor am i speaking for all men who do have eating disorders it's because we do want to become <laughs> like the the perfect man like kind of body like just how you know with women and females who see other like models for example women with like maybe skinny uh skinny waist bigger butts maybe bigger you know breasts and um i don't know to be honest like just just kind of like that you know stereotypical like perfect woman body sort of thing like the model kind of body it's like they want to strive for that and so a lot of times eating disorders would be what would occur in order to attain that kind of body i mean hey i mean it's even prevalent within models I know that for sure. Even athletes, in order to attain a certain body type, they will do that. You know, purge and all that. It's, oh, geez, Louise, it's stupid. Like, oh, it's, it's really dumb. And when I say that, I'm not saying that people who do it are dumb. It's just us thinking that we need to do this is uh, it's incredibly toxic to ourselves. And I understand that I'm very empathetic towards this kind of situations. But for men, we want to become leaner and we want to become shredded in a sense right for for our ideal body type right what we think a man should be is someone who's muscular someone who's big maybe in certain areas like not super bulky like you're a you know like a power lifter yeah like a power lifter or like a big bodybuilder kind of type body it's not that we were trying to achieve that but we're trying to achieve like like you know how movie actors have like a really nice body they're not like super bulky i mean maybe some of them are depending on the role they're playing but they, generally they would have a really nice body a nice jawline right they have like that look to them that sexy look maybe it's like a cute sexy something whatever something like that I, we always want to achieve that and that was the same case with me 
and then compounded with that more standard men like male look i also wanted to become an athlete and thus i thought i needed this athletic body of being muscled and toned down and you know becoming leaner and meaner and as a result we developed these habits and i think the reason why we developed these eating disorder habits is because they're so easy to do because when we think about other methods like let's say going to a doctor taking supplements you know getting a personal trainer like we know about this stuff we know what's the healthier alternative or the healthy way to do this right to attain this more uh, of a toned body and a shredded body you know losing the body fat looking better overall like we know what is there we know what the methods are yet when we're trying to do it sometimes we don't see the results sometimes we we think we're doing the right thing yet we're being let down in our efforts because we're not seeing the results that could be a huge detrimental just uh impact on our motivation and our focus on you know what the healthy way in attaining the body we want is because uh, there's a lot of times where if you're putting in let's say six months of work right in the gym and maybe you think you're eating right as well but let's say you barely gained any progress that sucks a lot when you know it's like ah oh, man like i still have all these rolls i don't have like a six pack or my my muscles don't look any more defined than what it was maybe two months ago like what's going on like oh, this sucks like what can i do then maybe you become depressed by that and there's maybe other external situations that are making you depressed and down as well and then you'll binge eat and then you'll become fearful that you're going to get fat and lose all the progress and then you figure out purging. At least that's what happened with me. When I was binge eating, I never really considered purging uh, or just as a method to lose weight. And, you know, kind of like acting as a safety pin where if I did, you know, mess up with, you know, the amount of junk food that I ate in a sitting, I would find the method of purging. And that's how I came to become bulimic because of that. You know, when I would eat those boxes of donuts, the cereals, the ice cream, the whole cake. I mean, dude, I already said this before. I saved the Safeway grocery or what was a newspaper newsletter where they had like the Friday $5 deals <laughs> on the back of it, I think. And I would always save the, the coupons for the desserts. Like they had this one cake that was pretty good and I would always get it. Uh, it was incredibly unhealthy. Yeah, it was very bad. I would eat the whole thing in one sitting. And then I would brag to my friends that, oh yeah, I can eat all of this because, you know, look at how skinny I am. But yeah, I can eat all this. I was pretty proud of it. And that was uh, something that reinforced the habit or the, I guess at the time, the method that I adopted of purging, right? In order to become skinnier and leaner for the most part, or leaner is the more accurate way to put it, right? We don't want to become skinnier. The, the objective is to become leaner, right? More shredded. So purging became that easy method because all you have to do is purge it up. It's so easy to do. It's like if someone told you that you can become smarter by taking this one pill, it's so easy. Just take the pill, right? It's so easy. But yet there's always going to be the, the aftermath, right? The side effects. It's not good. And for me, it's just... I knew about the aftermath. I knew about the side effects, the just the negative stuff that was tied in with being bulimic. And I actually didn't know that I was bulimic until maybe after a year of being bulimic because I just never really thought of myself having an eating disorder. Like it's just, it's like when you, when you read in the news about these crazy situations that people are in, you always think like, ah, you know, that's never going to happen to me. Like, it's just, whatever you read in the news, it's just like some kind of like big event that you know it doesn't happen to maybe most people. That is just maybe one in a few million people that this event happens to. Like, you never think for yourself like, oh, I'm going to get, you know, mental illness. Oh, I'm going to develop some kind of eating disorder. It's not going to happen. But it does. It can easily happen. And I think that's where we can get cough guard because I was like that. And then I didn't later find out that I was bulimic. So I think in finding out that I was bulimic, like objectively diagnosing myself like that, <laughs> although it was, you know, I'm not a doctor. I just self-diagnose just based off of what WebMD and whatever else there is. 
it, it kind of provided a little bit more clarity as to what was happening to me. But yeah, at the same time, just what was hard to break out being bulimic was the fact of how easy Persian was. And I keep bringing up that because that is that was like the key thing here with how troubling it was to become better, to recover from this. Because whenever I did try to recover where I would have, it sounds weird, but whenever I had like a, a period of time where I wouldn't eat junk food or the key here was actually not to purge, right? I told myself if I did eat junk food, no matter how much it is what it is, just let it be because that's the healthier way. That did help me to, to some extent, but then I would find myself like, oh shoot, like I need to purge because like, oh, I, I can't keep doing this anymore, right? I can't keep doing this anymore because I'm finding myself just relapsing on binge eating and all that. And then I would just say, I gotta purge. I gotta purge. Like it becomes like a need to a point. Like you need to wash your hands, right? You need to take a shower every day. Same thing with me with purging. Like I need to purge. Even when it became like when I ate healthy food. Sometimes when I feel like, oh my God, like I ate way too much like rice today. Like, oh, way too much of this one thing because I gave into my cravings. I have to purge it up. It was bad. It wasn't just applied to junk food. Because there, let me give you some context with that. Over a certain period of time, when I was trying to recover from being bulimic, I was still having trouble with binge eating junk food. Just, it was really bad still. But over time, I found myself how do I say, like, not craving junk food anymore or as much. But then what I would do to compensate for that, right, just my cravings, to be honest, was finding healthier alternatives that could make me full. So that would be like, you know, I would eat like a pound of broccoli for every meal. That was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I mean, it, a pound of broccoli every meal. You know those big broccoli bags you find in the frozen food section in your grocery store like i would finish that in one day it, it's oh my god it was so bland and so boring but it was like i need to eat a lot of these vegetables or a lot of this chicken breast or whatever right that's healthy but also filling i have to eat a lot of it in order to feel full so that i don't have these cravings but yet at the same time i still have those cravings no matter if i was full because just the desire to eat something super savory or sweet was just very tempting and overwhelming at times. And then in order to combat that, I would think about healthier recipes that could satiate those savory and sweet cravings. So what, what did I do for that actually? I don't, I didn't do anything for sugar because I was still very highly carbophobic, especially regarding sugar. I was still very, I mean, maybe it's more so accurate to say that I was more sugar phobic because yeah, I was just incredibly afraid of sugar and I was okay with like oatmeal and rice at the time too. But yeah, I was just scared of sugar, especially refined sugar. Oh, if I see that word, I'm like, oh, stay that way, you know, stay away from me. Yeah, I can't eat it. Refined sugar or even like refined bleach flour. Like when I see those terms, I'm like, oh, it's the devil. Oh, get away. <laughs> Yeah, not anymore. I will eat that shit anytime. <laughs> I don't binge eat it now, but it's just, I'm, I'm like, ah, it's, if I have some like cookies, it's like, it's not the end of the world. Like I'm still eating fine. I'm still exercising a lot now. So it's all good now. But with back then I was more sugar phobic uh, instead of carbophobic. And I think that was progress on my end because I was, you know, incredibly carbophobic overall, like rice, oatmeal fruits like anything healthy like i would just oh stay away from me but yeah i i even with like healthier foods i would find the alternatives to satiate the sweet and savory cravings so for sugar like i said or what before i you know cut myself off with that i didn't really find any alternatives with that because i was just so scared of sugar but i did find alternatives for savory stuff like occasionally i would buy some beef Occasionally, I would buy chicken thighs and leave the skin on because that's where most of the fat is, I think. And I mean, there's still fat lying around the, the actual chicken thigh, the meat itself, but oh, so good. Chicken thighs with the skin on, make it crispy. Ooh, so good. Like I didn't mind eating a pound of broccoli as long as I could have those four pieces, <laughs> four pieces of chicken thighs with the skin on. 
it got to a point where I think I just wasn't noticing any progress in my own like a uh, weight loss journey or sorry body fat loss I'm not I don't want to say weight loss because I want to be more I want to be as accurate with the terms as possible but yeah I, I didn't notice any kind of like progress after eating maybe for a couple months this newer diet this healthier diet and after noticing that I associated that with just the fact that I'm eating a lot more so I thought okay even though I'm eating healthy now I'm eating way too much of it because I'm just so hungry and I was like oh shoot and I got so scared again so the fear right of gaining fat and losing the progress I made in my training because I mentioned this back in the episode last week on Tuesday there would be periods where I didn't train and then go back to training. So I would become super fearful, especially during the periods where I did not train. And then I would go back to purging, even if it was healthy food. And I would feel incredibly guilty, like just more so because like I still felt guilty about purging up the junk food for other reasons. But one reason being that I bought this food with my money. And in a sense, I'm wasting the food, right? As if I'm you know, throwing away in the trash without ever eating it or touching it. And But that kind of guilt was even more profound and impactful because when I was purging up the healthy food, it was like, this food is supposed to be good nutrition and it is good nutrition, but yet I'm purging it up. And I'm like, oh shit, like, oh, why am I doing this again? It's so hard to break out of it. I don't know how else to explain it. Like, I mean, maybe I mean, if for yourself, if you think about something that you're very into or attached to, I mean, maybe it's masturbating, right? <laughs> sorry, sorry to bring something dirty up like that, but it's it's a natural thing, right? If you're someone who like masturbates a lot, especially for men, like who masturbate a lot, if you stop, right? For example, it's no, no November. It's so hard, right? I can guarantee you it's hard to not fab and it's and you want to go back to it because it feels good you think it's good for you and it's not really that i mean there's no real negative side effects to it and overall the desire it's pretty much like the need right the feeling of needing to go back to it or just really wanting to go back to it it's just becoming stronger and stronger and that's how i felt with being bulimic with purging Maybe that was a bad example. If that was, I apologize. <laughs> I was just providing something that was, I don't know why I talked about masturbating. To be, there's, don't think any, <laughs> don't think of any assumptions, please. It just literally crossed my mind for whatever reason. Not because of anything specific. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> but it, it's very analogous to that where if you do have, there, because there's an addiction, right? With porn addiction. I think that's where I was going with porn addiction. You want to go back to it. You think it's good for you. You know it's like pretty much harmless, right? You're not, it's not like you're doing it with anyone. So you're not going to contract the STD, nor are you going to, you know, make, put anyone at risk for whatever reason, right? It's, it's harmless. It feels good. And you feel the need to go back to it, or at least a strong one to go back to it. And that's, yeah, what I wanted to say about that with, in regards to purging. Because I would think that, oh, it's an easy thing to do, right? It's not that bad if I don't do it every day, right? Like, it's like, as long as I do it every now and then, it's not going to be that bad for my throat, right? My body is strong. Because I would even like, this is where objective mindset is not good at these points. Because you can really persuade yourself to the point where it's like, oh yeah, actually it's not that bad. For example, like for me, I would always tell myself, like throughout this whole, you know, bulimic recovery journey, that purging if i do it every once in a while it's not bad if i smoke one cigarette like ever i'm not going to contract you know some kind of lung disease like it's highly unlikely for that to happen or like if i break a bone i mean that's a really bad thing to happen right but purging is not as bad as breaking the bone purging is not bad as some other disease purging is not bad as smoking purging is not bad as doing drugs i would come up with these like logical statements in my head i'm like oh yeah i am right yeah you you're right it's not as bad as this if i do it every once in a while and i did do it every once in a while i think it did help me though where i started to become i well here's the thing that's good about what i did with <laughs> persuading myself to 
continue purging. It was that I started to just do it every once in a while. And that was a good thing because I did realize doing it every day is not good. But then I persuaded myself like, oh, every once in a while, it's not that bad. So there was progress there, though I did not recognize it or acknowledge it at the time. But now I do when I look back on it that at least I was doing it every once in a while. But still didn't eliminate the problem, right? But there was another problem. Now I didn't really think as badly of purging as, as I did, right? Instead of it just being like an ultimate evil sort of thing, like, oh, I need to get rid of it, absolutely. I was thinking like, oh, I can live with this, right? It's not that bad. But it is bad because the way I think about it back then and definitely now when I look back on it and reflect, when I do purge, it still becomes something accessible right it's an accessible method or tool that is that's not healthy for your body even if it's like once in a while i mean there's another analogy i i could have made for myself by doing it that even if i smoke let's say a cigarette once in a while if i do like some kind of harsh drug once in a while that doesn't mean like everything's still like hunky-dory it's still bad for you Right? It's like saying like, oh, if I stab myself once in a while, if I snort this coke every once in a while, inject myself with heroin once in a while, it's still not good for you, even if it's once in a while. And I'm doing that because I'm making fun of myself. <laughs> I'm not bullying anyone. I, I'm not making fun of anyone because I, I'm bullying myself. Sorry, that's not the right way to say it. I'm not bullying myself. I'm making fun of myself. Yes, because it was a stupid line of thinking. It was a dumb illogical way to think about it because those things that I compared uh, purging to are still not good for you. So you should definitely weigh off for a minute. But at the time, purging was just, again, that thing that was so accessible and something that I could depend on. But it wasn't good. And going back to my goals, right, as a man to become shredded, to have a more toned physique, right, that shredded physique, the leaner, meaner kind of machine look, I don't know if that's a look, <laughs> but I think you get what I'm trying to say with that. Being bulimic and purging is something that is not part of the process for my fitness goals, right? Uh, just, you know, physique goals and my fitness goals as well, just both of them together. The one thing you really want to think about and talk about as well is what is your goal specifically, right? Because that is a huge question in fitness. A lot of times people will just be vague with their fitness goals like, oh, I just want to lose some body fat or I want to lose weight. It's like, okay, but let's be more specific. Like let's establish some real goals here, like more specific goals. Because when you lay down those goals, then your workout program, whatever it is, you can really just become more effective with the time you have and the energy you put into it instead of like just mindlessly going through the workouts. For me... I knew that being bulimic wasn't the thing I needed to do because for example, if you're trying to become leaner and build muscle at the same time, you can't be bulimic. You can't be purging. You can't be anorexic because I know that you have to bulk up first and then slim down, right? You need to bulk up in order to build the muscle and then slim down if you want to attain that shredded look. For example, I mean, that's just one example, right? For me specifically, being bulimic or just the act of purging now looking back on it, it's not a viable method, right? If I'm thinking about this objectively, it's not a viable method in order to become leaner because I need the nutrition in order for my bones, my tendons, my joints, and my muscles to become you know, stronger and better or just to keep up with the maintenance for those because they're important for training, for sports, right? They're very important, very crucial. You need to eat a lot of nutritionally dense foods in order to support your body. But I was like getting rid of it by purging. And I just, I didn't really recognize that and was aware of it back then. But after learning more and more and more about nutrition and sports medicine and such, I, you know, I wish I had the knowledge to apply this into my own situation so that objectively speaking and, you know, by talking to myself logically, I could have maybe waned off the, you know, bulimic habits sooner than later. Now, going off of this, when I did later learn about this kind of stuff, about the nutrition and the calories that a athlete needs specifically for an, you know, for an athlete to really train and be competitive in his or her races, I shifted gears in my diet. And 
I, I think it was just once I had a goal, I was just so focused on that goal, right? Regarding athletics with triathlon in this case, I was so focused. And that's how I usually am whenever I have like a goal in mind for athletics or research or my academics. Like I'm just so driven. Like if I really want to attain this, it's like I kind of like forget everything else and I'm just putting my all into this so that I can really not just achieve this goal with the bare minimum, but to just do it with flying colors, just to really go up and beyond what my, even my expectations, other people's expectations of me are. And with that kind of focus and drive, that really helped me get out of the bulimic habits. So to emphasize that, having a goal that you're passionate about is gonna be super helpful. Like, even if you don't have all the clarity regarding your own situation, like, oh, why am I doing this? Why am I being bulimic? Why do I have this eating disorder? Like, you, it's good to think about and reflect on it. And at the same time, you can think about and reflect on it while trying to strive for this one goal that you're passionate about so that you can, in a sense, it's, it's going to help you ground yourself, right? It can help you ground yourself so that you're not going to relapse or repeat the same mistakes you've made before in the past. In my case, with the triathlon training goals, like when I came back into triathlon more seriously during my, I want to say it's more so like during the latter years of my junior year, I, yeah, I was happier with my diet. I was happier with just my relationship with food more so than what it was during the majority of my undergraduate career at that point. But then I was still obsessed with obtaining that leaner, meaner physique, right? That shredded body or not, again, not incredibly shredded, not incredibly like muscular, but just an athletic body. Like I just want to be more defined and lose the body fat more so. I still had that, especially around my stomach and love handle area. Like I just felt like I was still bigger than everyone else, especially within my sport of like a triathlon. It's an endurance sport. I, I just, I was so obsessed with obtaining the more athletic body. So now I became more anorexic where I knew that with calories in and calories out, you know, that whole model of losing body fat, I just chose not to eat as much. And I think training helped me for some reason, it helped me calm the cravings for sweet and savory stuff, like just junk food in general. And instead, it made me feel more, I don't know, like not crave. Craving is not the word that can accurately describe what I was feeling. It's just I felt more of a need and want to eat healthier stuff. And I think that was because I knew that with the healthier stuff that I'm eating, it can help me maximize the the gains, the results I received from my training. So I think that was the, yeah, I think that was what attributed to me waning off the, the cravings for something savory and sweet. But going back to the, the obsession with the body image that I wanted to obtain, I just became more anorexic because I was thinking, oh, logically speaking, right? Again, here we go with the logical speaking. I am training a lot more so and that becoming more consistent I have a solid training plan now. I'm going to the you know lap pool more regularly. I'm doing cycling, running, all this good stuff. Things are looking good now, but I still need to lose this body fat. And because I'm losing and burning more calories during my training sessions, this is actually perfect. You know, even if I eat a bit more so, or even if I eat junk food, that's okay. I know I'll burn it off, definitely. So. So I believe knowing the amount of calories I would burn during training sessions was really bad because what well, bad in that I focused more so on how that could help me lose body fat instead of just for becoming a better athlete, right? That, that should be more of the primary focus, not just for me to train. Like, should you become an Olympic athlete or strive to be that in order to obtain a, a better body? <laughs> like, that's it's nonsense, right? It's no, like you do it because you want to do the sport. You love the sport and you want to become better at the sport. So I focused a lot on losing body fat with my training. And then I thought, okay, let's just eat less food but still eat the good healthy food in order to lose body fat. And then oh, I got too into the habit and I, I guess I would, you can say my, my hunger senses became acclimated to this 
lower, more restrictive, like caloric diet I was on. And what happened instead of losing more of the body fat, which I believe happened to me in some areas, but not the areas I wanted to lose body fat in, I lost a lot more muscle mass. And that was very prevalent, especially like I mentioned in the last episode, around my arms and my hands, and just how skinny and bony they looked. Like I became self-conscious because of that, because someone pointed that out actually. It wasn't my mother, um, though she did mention that. It was someone else who I knew of and they just pointed how like skinny my hands look and I was like, oh wait, what? Like you think they look really bony skinny? Like not slim skinny or whatever, <laughs> right? Like, like I wanted that difference of skinny versus slim or lean, right? I, I wanted that difference, but no, it was the skinny, bad skinny type. And I was like, I became self-conscious and then that really hit me hard and I was like, oh, I'm losing muscle mass. I'm not losing body fat. Like I'm, I'm doing this whole diet thing wrong again. Like, oh, what am I doing? And then I, I don't think being anorexic was as arduous of a journey in recovering as much as bulimia because bulimia was more of the, like I chose to purge because it was so something so accessible. But with anorexia, I was still like, I mean, I'm still hungry. Like when I say I was acclimated to this uh, more restrictive diet, you know, calorically, I was still hungry. I still craved some things. And I believe the thing was I wasn't eating the right kind of diet that an athlete should be, especially an endurance athlete for triathlons. I should have been eating more calories, right? Let's say you're in order to maintain weight, you should be eating 2000 calories. I should have been eating maybe like 2,500 calories, right? A bit over my maintenance caloric intake. So again, I think that was also lack of knowledge. Like I just did not know about, specifically about an athlete's diet. Like I just knew like, oh, okay, this is the healthy foods that I need to eat. You know, I, I knew more about the macronutrients and stuff, but I never really learned more about these nutritional and the dietary aspects of an athlete in order to strive as an athlete. I didn't learn that until way later on. But that was something that, you know, being anorexic was something that was a bit easier for me to recover from. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think it's because the fact that I could tell myself that, oh, I am allowed to eat more made me like, oh, okay, yeah, let's eat more. That's no problem. Like, actually, if we can add in two chicken thighs, like, I, I'm, I'll be a happy boy. <laughs> I'll be a happy camper. So it wasn't as bad. And I'm not saying anorexia or any eating disorder is an easy journey for everyone. I'm not trying to downplay it, by the way. I'm just saying that I think because of my experiences with bulimia and just the circumstances that I was in at that time, I had the right things in the right places, I believe, like with the right mindset and all that in order to jump back into a healthier diet so that I don't become anorexic. Because this was happening for, I believe, like going into my senior year of college of me being anorexic like me having this quite low like caloric intake it was really bad and yeah it, it was the type of things i was eating too during that time was again broccoli and i think because i was also yeah i think at the time i just wanted to really cut back on the fat because i was i was cognizant that carbohydrates was something that an athlete needs especially endurance athletes so i was less carbophobic and then I was like, okay, if I'm going to eat carbs, I can't really eat too much fat because I know that, you know, with some science here, with carbohydrate intake, that increases your insulin. And what insulin does is it's an anabolic hormone, meaning that it will build something. And that thing that it'll build is your, your fat storage, right? It'll add on to it, thus you become fatter. I don't know all the science behind it. I just know what I know. <laughs> so don't quote me on it. But yeah, that's generally what happens with, you know, carbohydrate intake. So if you eat fats, right, because your body's going to use glucose, not the fats, right, as its energy source, unless you're a ketogenic, uh, you know, fat adapted, then the, the fat you eat is going to go, I'm, I'm going to assume that it's going to be stored as fat in your adipose tissue. So you're going to become fatter, and I didn't want that. And I just cut out fat in my diet primarily ate a higher protein, higher carbohydrate diet. And what I ate from that was pretty much just a lot of vegetables. 
and a lot of chicken breast, a lot of turkey bacon, and oatmeal. And that was it. <laughs> that was it. That was totally it. It was very bland, but I didn't really mind it at the time all too much. But, you know, I, I didn't really enjoy it as well. So I was keeping up with that kind of diet for about a year until someone like really pointed out that wasn't my mother, how bony and skinny looking my hands were. And that was kind of like that catalyst that really made me start to think about what I was doing that was bad. And that instead of focusing on losing fat or attaining this athletic body, I should just primarily focus on like just becoming a better athlete overall in a healthy way, right? Not being over aggressive with my training as well. Because that was another thing that I would catch myself doing, especially on runs. Like I would push myself way harder than I should have been when it's just a super easy, let's say three mile run. I would do it as if it's my threshold or my lactate threshold run. It was not good. I still do it to this day, but I, I keep myself in check at times. That was pretty much my time being anorexic it wasn't again it wasn't anything too i guess too impactful as being bulimic was but it was still something that happened with me and i think i just found another method after trying to wane off of being bulimic right being uh purging because i didn't really have anything to purge at that point so instead i just said okay let's just eat less in order to lose body fat and that's pretty much my my story about eating disorders from a personal experience and my thoughts as well. Now, let me say this as a final note. I'm still struggling with bulimia especially. And that is because I do occasionally find myself wanting to purge, especially when I eat something like unhealthy. Like, I mean, that's for the most part, it's always something unhealthy that I want to purge. But especially during the pandemic where when I was not training as much, like I'm not really doing serious training right now because of the pandemic and I'm not really training for any races. When I do find myself eating a lot of something, you know, unhealthy, I find myself wanting to purge it up because I find myself thinking, logically speaking, like if I throw this up, then I don't have to, you know, suffer the consequences of gaining fat due to eating this, you know, excess amount of carbohydrates or refined sugars or whatever, right? Even with all the knowledge I have now, all the experiences I have from back then, I'm still finding myself feeling just wanting to become bulimic again. Though one thing that has helped me in not purging or giving into that act is telling myself, it's okay, what I ate is what I ate is what it is. I'm not gonna gain fat. Everything is gonna be a-okay. And I try to tell myself too that, oh, even let's say I ate this whole pizza, I'm not gonna get fat. <laughs> like it's as if I ate no pizza, right? That's that's how much little, like uh, I guess like effects that it'll have on me, like in terms of gaining fat, as if I ate no pizza. <laughs> so I would try to tell myself that and it would actually calm me down and make me think, okay, yes, I, I am gonna be okay. I'm not gonna get fat. Nothing's gonna go away. Like the progress I make regarding my training and you know fat loss journey is not gonna go away. Everything's a-okay so telling myself that has helped out a lot and after a couple hours of digesting the food i ate like the unhealthy stuff i ate i feel better right because you usually it's in the moment of eating the unhealthy stuff or any, even like maybe the hour or the time after eating the unhealthy stuff you feel the need to purge it up if you're bulimic that's just how i felt and i know that after digesting everything I feel fine. I'm like, oh, okay. Actually, it's it's cool. Everything's fine. I don't feel fat. It's it's whatever. Like, I just I won't eat it again, or I won't allow myself to eat unhealthy stuff as often. I won't purge. I won't do anything of that. So I I do try to keep myself in check and grounded. And it's hard to do that now because I don't really have those triathlon goals I spoke of earlier. Because again, with the pandemic and how there's not really a lot of races, and nor can I do races right now in this point in time like I'm not really in the position to do any of that stuff so it's it's hard right I, I am finding myself back in that cycle of you know I'm in the period of not training though I am training it's it doesn't feel like I am training seriously right so I have to find new ways to keep myself in check and grounded and I think I can do that for the most part with discipline and a strong mental fortitude but I'm only human I need some sort of crutch to 
keep myself grounded, to act as a safety pin, to keep things together. So it would be helpful <laughs> to find something. I still have yet to find that thing. And I'm not hopeless about this. I'm not discouraged by this. I'm just like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find it. It's going to take time and that's okay because this is just a journey. Everyone goes through these sort of situations at their own pace. So, yeah, I mean, I'm fine. <laughs> I feel like this has become a therapy session. Like, you're the therapist and I'm on the chair laying down. Everything's fine. Yeah, I think I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, is everything okay? <laughs> Can you tell me if everything's okay? But yes, that's that's it for this episode. I hope that was insightful and I hope you were able to find some something helpful out of that. And it, for, again... This episode was more or less for me to talk about male eating disorders, all, <laughs> although I didn't really go too much into it. I hope that by providing my experiences as a male who has eating disorders, still kind of struggles with it. Not, I shouldn't really say I still struggle with it, but I do find myself like uh, on the cusp of going back to be- becoming bulimic. I just hope that I can bring more awareness to these sort of situations and that even though a man says they have an eating disorder, or with that, even with that thought, don't downplay it, right? It's not just women who have eating disorders, men too. Like, we all have our own struggles, right? We shouldn't just divide everything up by gender or race or by certain groups. Just no, everyone's human. We're all at fault because of that in one way or another. We have our own shortcomings. It's natural. We shouldn't really look down on anyone for it because, again, we're all human. So, so let's treat this with civil discussions, good actions, with and with support. Anyways, that's the episode. <laughs> if you'd like to support this episode, please listen and follow me on this podcast on your favorite podcast platform like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms. You can also support this podcast by sharing this with your friends and family who may find this insightful, enjoyable, or simply want to laugh their butts off. And if you'd like to contact me, please do so through email, my social handles, or you can go to my official input form page where with any of those three methods, you can drop down those questions, comments, or topics that you like me to talk about in future episodes. I mean, feel free to also just reach out to me if you want to discuss anything with me too. Like whether it's something I said that was wrong or you just want to ask me questions or whatever the case may be. Again, thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of the Half of This Podcast. I am very grateful that this is still going and I am grateful to you. Thank you and have a great rest of your week. I'm glad that I did not make that awkward and I did not jumble up my words that time. Anyways, I'll talk to you next time. Bye.